This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, May 5th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Matt Hoysh. In today's headlines, Mountain Village discusses second hotel development. SMPA seeks more green energy. Jairo Gonzalez looks back on a year in the San Juans. And a mountain weather forecast. Another new hotel development in Mountain Village hit a stumbling block this week. On Thursday, Mountain Village's Design Review Board, or DRB, discussed an amendment to a planned use development and the design of a hotel in Village Pond Plaza. This is the second hotel development currently before Mountain Village. They are the first hotel projects in Mountain Village in 15 years. The proposed hotel sits on a lot just under one acre of land, next to the Sharana and Westmire buildings on Mountain Village Boulevard. The proposed project plans for 62 hotel rooms, 22 condos, and 18 lodge units. The development also plans for 18 dorm-style employee housing units with two employee apartments. There will also be retail, fine dining, a bar, a market, and a conference center wedding space. According to developers, Six Senses, a luxury hotel brand, has provided a letter of intent to operate the hotel. Matthew Shear, with Vault Development, working on the project, says mountain luxury is the key. We are not uh, Miami developers. We develop exclusively in Colorado and in the Mountain West. You know, we're a big believer in mountain contemporary that blends in with the environment. We don't believe they're mutually exclusive. Um, We just think it has to be executed correctly. Mountain Village approved the current PUD on the lot in 2010. Shear notes they purchased the site six months ago and are requesting the amendment so their development can better suit the community than the previous design. We found that this building did not represent um, the best of what Telluride or high-end design has to offer. We found it quite cookie cutter, um, frankly, similar to mountain areas that certain residents have said we don't want to be. So our intent from the original PUD was to stay within the PUD, however, improve the design, improve the public benefits um, and amenities and, and, and so forth. The proposed design is seven stories tall with a curved shape. Shear says the intention is to blend the building into the landscape. I've heard a lot of comments through many DRB hearings of um, blending in with the other buildings. I find that a very difficult uh, challenge when all the buildings look different. Uh, The peaks look different from Sea Forever, looks different from the core. Um, We think we have to blend in with the mountainscape, and that's what our our guiding principle was. He notes they're designing the building to be as sustainable as possible. Solar panels on the roofs, natural materials, copper, metal, natural stones. Shear says they want the building to be timeless. We thought of a modern castle. Um, We thought to, to use the round shape of the lot and create a a modern version of a castle. Mountain Village's DRB uses the town's community development code to evaluate the project, while also looking at the current PUD that already stands. When it comes to PUD amendments, the developers are asking to increase the maximum height of the building up to 96 feet and 8 inches, roughly 8 feet taller than the current PUD. The average height requested would stand at roughly 82 feet. The development also requests amendments when it comes to roof pitch, exterior materials, decreasing the amount of stucco, doors and windows for the exterior of the project, and increasing the amount of stone. In addition, the development asks to eliminate all public parking. 
Sheer notes, despite the amendment requests, they're trying to find a balance with the community. Of course, the big issues are mass and height. We, we've known that. We've been, been conscious of that from day one. And this is still a seven-story building. That has not changed. And I just would ask everyone to consider that we can only do what we can do. We can't make the perfect the enemy of the good. During public comment, opinion was mixed. Patrick Latcham lives in Mountain Village and works for Telski. He notes that while the location of the building might be a small hassle for his day-to-day, he's excited about the project. I park on this lot every day. <laughs> and um, while I'll miss the parking lot, the pros of this development certainly outweigh the cons. But Rob Connor, who owns property in the Shirana building, has concerns about the height. He says the building will be, quote, utterly dwarfed. It's less about the extreme maximum height and more about the overall average height, the bulk of this building. When it comes to the DRB, they see the pros and cons. DRB member Greer Garner agrees there are details to work out on the project, but she doesn't have the same concerns for height. While there are a few issues here and there, I don't think they're major. And uh, the the height issue, it's a hotel. It's going to always have some height. But, you know, it's not as tall as somebody might come in with. I think it's a reasonable height for the project, and given they are giving us affordable housing significantly. But board member Liz Caton has big concerns about parking. I'm so in favor of the hotel. I think it's going to be a great addition. I'm very perturbed about the parking. If I want to go to your Montclair store and buy a jacket, I don't have a damn place to park. In the end, the design review board moved to continue the discussion on the development to a special board meeting on May 31st. Mountain Village Town Council also needs to approve the design. The San Miguel Power Association has its eyes on a greener future. Our industry is moving uh, and changing from a model that was based largely on fossil fuel burning to a model that does not rely on that. That's Alex Shelley, communications executive with SMPA, which provides power to much of San Miguel County and the surrounding region. Shelley was updating the San Miguel County Board of Commissioners this week. Navigating that transition, he explains, is a balancing act. We look at the expansion of renewables as definitely part of our mission statement, but we also look at our, uh, our membership and ensuring a, a fair and equitable cost recovery. Some progress has already been made. Currently, a little less than 40% of SMPA's power supply comes from renewables. That's largely thanks to tri-state generation and transmission, the supplier that provides most of SMPA's power. About a third of that power, according to Shelley, is from renewables. The rest of SMPA's renewables is thanks to local efforts, such as micro-hydropower, community solar gardens, and smaller solar installations, which, Shelley says, have had a, quote, enormous uptick. Solar has arrived. Uh, it, it very much has uh, reached that tipping point, and we're going to see, we're going to continue to see more and more. SMPA, Shelley says, is exploring building another local solar array to supply an additional 2% of power, but in the hopes of continuing to grow its share of renewables, SMPA is considering sourcing power from another provider besides Tri-State. Earlier this year, Guzman Energy, a Denver-based provider, won a request for proposals from SMPA for that role. 
but SMPA will still have to negotiate new contracts with both Tri-State and Guzman. Our um, CEO put it, I think, eloquently when he said, we're on the 50-yard line with this process, and we've done a lot. And so that, that kind of humbles us a little bit because there's still a long way to go. There's a lot of puzzle pieces, but Shelley says if everything falls into place, over 75% of SMPA's load could come from renewables by 2025. Uh, which is a quantum shift. Again, this is this is projection. This is not a promise, <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's exciting to even think of. But that evolving power system, Shelley explains, also means evolving ways to pay for it. SMPA's rate structure, he says, doesn't fit for them anymore. The SMPA board is going through a rate study. Shelley didn't provide specifics on what a new rate structure could look like, but the goal, he says, is a balance between equity and expanding local renewable energy. For the past 10 months, Jairo Gonzalez has been living in Telluride and Norwood as an exchange student with international studies abroad. Gonzalez has lived with host families, gone to school, joined the track team, but in just a few short weeks, he'll be heading home. Gonzalez stopped by Cotto to take a look back on his year in the San Juans. My name is Jairo Gonzalez. I'm from Coahuila, it's the north from Mexico. It's really in the center of, of my state. And yeah, it's really fun. It's a big city. I'm with ISC, it's a student exchange. I went to here because I think there is a lot of opportunities on the United States and I, lo I really love the school and also for practice my English is the most important right now, <laughs> so yeah. I was the final exchange student to come here, so the only option in that moment was to come to Colorado and I learned about how is Colorado and I'm, I was really excited for that. I really love everything. I, it's so, it's a, a really fun town and there is a lot of activities for doing and festivals and shows and I really love the snow. So it's a, the best weather for me. <laughs> Yeah, it was my first time seeing see the snow here, so it was amazing for me. And I went to ski one time, but it was so hard. Really, it's so hard for me, and I hope I will try another time. But yeah, let's see. <laughs> it's a big experience. Um, all these months and I have a, a big exchange like for example I can I don't need too much now my parents and I and I learn how I can live by myself right now I'm checking if uh, with a, another program for going to exchange here on Brazil, Sao Paulo, 
and yeah I'm checking now <laughs> I want to say if you wanna go to another place like another country another language do it it's really fun and you can learn about how you can you can art by yourself and yeah you meet a lot of person amazing person and yeah if you're interesting just do it <laughs>
More than 700 indigenous people went missing in Wyoming in the 2010s, according to a state report. One-fifth of those victims weren't found for at least a month, and just 18% of indigenous female homicide victims received any newspaper coverage, compared to 51% of white people. Cericia Sandoval is a local educator and member of the San Felipe Pueblo tribe from New Mexico. She organized a protest at the town square last week to try and give the issues Native women face more visibility. In many ways, you think about Jackson is a place where a lot of indigenous people have been displaced from. And you can walk around the stores and you can look at the different um, galleries and there's tons of pictures of indigenous people and, you know, really focusing on the culture, but not enough attention to what indigenous people are facing today and right now. Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon created a Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons Task Force in 2019. The goal is to hone in on the scope of the high rates of violence among Native communities and to try and come up with some solutions. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Will Walkie in Jackson, Wyoming. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for increasing clouds tonight with a low around 35 degrees. Friday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night, with a high near 65 degrees and a low around 40. Saturday, expect mostly sunny skies with a high in the mid-60s. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Saturday night should be mostly cloudy with a low around 40. This has been the news for Thursday, May 5th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hello, Telluride. This is Megan Barry, director of Rainbow Preschool and Rockies After School Program in Summer Camp. After a two-year hiatus, Rainbow Rockies and Rascals Toddler Program are hosting our annual fundraiser, and it is an extra special year. We will be celebrating 50 years of Rainbow Preschool. This is a huge milestone, and we want the whole community to come out and celebrate with us. If you were a student who attended our programs, if you were a former board member, staff member, or program parent, we want you there. If you've seen our adorable kids walking through town, or if you've walked past our doors, we want you there. After all, it's all about community, and we couldn't have created such a special place for children without you all. So please mark your calendars for Friday, June 3rd, at the Transfer Warehouse from 5.30 to 9.30. Tickets are $15 at the door or from any program parent. A ticket gets you entered into a 2022-2023 ski pass raffle, free champagne while it lasts, delicious food, a silent live auction emceed by Zoe Donnell, live music by Sean Mahoney and Flatliner Express with some special guests, a 50-year slideshow, and a community event to remember. Some amazing auction items will include a balloon ride for two, wood flooring, Wagner skis, fine jewelry, hotel stays, festival passes, and much more. So come on out to the Transfer Warehouse on June 3rd, and we can't wait to celebrate with you all. Thank you, Kodo. The San Miguel Resource Center invites you to join us in recognizing Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which takes place throughout the month of May. Each year, we recognize Sexual Assault Awareness Month to provide educational resources, raise awareness on sexual violence, and to stand in solidarity with survivors of sexual violence. You can get involved, too, by joining us for any of our events. We've partnered with the Wilkinson Public Library and the Lone Cone Library, and we'll have the book Speak by Lori Hulse Anderson featured in their book clubs. You can also participate through Denim Day, which is as simple as wearing denim on April 27th to show your support for survivors. 
Or if you're a high school student, you're invited to enter into our youth art contest with a chance of winning some awesome prizes. If you'd like to learn more, follow the San Miguel Resource Center on social media or feel free to give us a call at 970-728-5660. Keep your eye out for event details, dates, and locations by checking the Kodo community calendar. We hope to see you all this May. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.